This is Iris Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. Keith Sampson from The Athletic joins us. It's Thursday, November 8th, previewing Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech. It's senior day this weekend, and uh, it sounds like Notre Dame is as healthy as they have been. The flu bug is still impacting the team this week. A bunch of missed practices on Tuesday, but most of those guys, it sounded like in talking to Brian Kelly, that they were back on Wednesday. Guys, your thoughts? Just general thoughts on Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech this weekend. I think we're in, uh, because of Brendan Armstrong's absence last week, week three of four, that it's about Notre Dame. This is the part of the schedule that's about Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. The way they've been playing since Virginia Tech is they can't lose to these four teams if they regress and have catastrophic mistakes multiple. They had a catastrophic mistake last year against Georgia Tech with a fumble recovery touchdown going the other way, and it still wasn't that big of a deal, but that's what kept it closer. Um, I fully expect Notre Dame to handle Georgia Tech. I do love – I love Jameer Gibbs' game, which he grad transferred to Notre Dame at some point. He's a good runner too. Uh, and then I, I don't know what's wrong with Sims. Um, I mean, pre-injury, I thought Jeff Sims would kind of be a little bit of a breakout player this year. I think now he, he's just still a dangerous player, and that's not – something Notre Dame is he's a really good runner Notre Dame's seen plenty of really good runners and he's just Jeff Sims and their weapons together don't make for a passing game that should threaten Notre Dame I mean when Brian Kelly called Jeff Sims a game wrecker I was like I don't know what has he wrecked any games um he's a I good just, runner he's a good runner yeah <clears throat> he's a he's an all-potential quarterback like he could be really good um but right now he's not and he's not healthy so it's you know, I hesitate to be like, this is a game there's no way I could see Notre Dame losing, but I really, really have a difficult time seeing a path for Georgia Tech to win this game. You know, when their season is already over, they have Georgia next week. It's going to be 42 degrees. I don't, I just don't see it. So it, um, it's, it's pretty much if you can handle Jameer Gibbs, get a beat on him, which Notre Dame should be able to do, I think that they will be fine. I don't think Brian Kelly uses game record in over amount of times. I, I thought it was an exaggeration this time. Although, I mean, I, I yes. get it from the standpoint that he's a, he's an out he's an outstanding athlete. We know that, but he was he was so bad against Miami that they were ready to turn away from him. And then he had then he had the injury. Jordan Yates is the other quarterback, and he's he's certainly capable. He can run. And and Brian Kelly said it: not as explosive, but a capable runner really bad when throwing, when rolling to his right or left, uh, that much has been noticeable on film. But, you know, I agree with you, Tim, that, um, you know, you, you, it can't be anything catastrophic like three turnovers in the first half against Cincinnati or yeah. Jameer Gibbs had a 98 yard kick return last week. He's capable of doing that. Pete, I'm not as confident that they can just, they can control him because he is that dangerous. He had five straight games of of um, uh, at least one 50-yard-plus play in a role that ended against Boston College last week, and all he did was rush for, I don't know, like 96 or 98 yards. So he's great, but I, I would agree that he is the one guy that can – he's a game record. Jameer Gibbs is a, yes. he's a game record before you would say that about yeah, yeah. Jeff Sims, right? Yeah, I mean, he is he is that good. There will be two great running backs starting on yeah. Saturday with Logan Diggs maybe – um, you know, transitioning or moving in, in that direction. The thing about when you say you can't see them lose, Pete, I, I, I tend to agree with you because you don't run to go out and predict, well, a full field interception return touchdown, a Gibbs kick return touchdown, and Jack right. Cohen fumbling. I mean, these are all things where 
you say Jack Cohn fumbling the ball away at the 20 yard line back in the Cincinnati days or the Toledo days, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. He's probably going to get blindsided by this offensive line, but now it would just be that flukish nature of things. And they are giving up rushing yardage these last five or six games. Everyone gets to 175 against Georgia Tech. And the way Kyron Williams is running angrily and the way the line is getting a push. I know that Williams has so many yards after contact that people can say maybe it's not the line, it's Kyron. He's getting the yards after contact because he's getting a little bit of room first. And that is the big difference, I think, from earlier in the year where he was getting the ball and having to stop start. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it's, I, I yeah, mean, I was I just think... to say, it's, I mean, it's one of those games where you have to have like multiple catastrophic errors to, you know, in the same. Like Cincinnati, if that if that doesn't happen, which we would never predict, like I think Notre Dame will be fine. Yeah, I mean, I can understand where Notre Dame's been on the, you know, they're on the road at night last week, and maybe Notre Dame isn't their sharpest. We always mention Senior Day, although they've been they've been doing pretty well on on Senior Day, but there are some emotions mixed in there. There's so many seniors that that will be announced on Saturday that they won't do it like individually where a guy runs out and then they wait for the, you know, the applause and to meet the parents. There's too many. They have to speed up the process, which they will do. But, uh, you know, Georgia tech, when I look at their defense, I think their defensive line is better than Virginia's. Uh, I think their secondary has more players back there, but the problem with Georgia tech is that they just haven't put it together and they keep losing close games. They've lost five of their seven, losses, seven losses have been by uh, single digits. Uh, yeah, they, 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 they play were people hammered well, by Pittsburgh. Just... Yeah, well, and that's, you know, but that you can say that about the 2016 Notre Dame team, right? They played, right. they came close, but there's a reason why you're three and seven. It's because you can't the, close. Like the best team they've played recently, because Clemson was in September. Clemson was a mess. I mean, Clemson's a little better now than they were in September. Yeah. That, that 14 to eight loss, I, I don't think that score would be indicative of if these two teams even played again, Tech and Clemson. I guess they took Virginia to 48-40, um, but I don't know what that means. It just means they can score on Virginia's terrible defense and can get beat by Brennan Armstrong like everybody else does. Uh, I don't put much stock in the Miami game. I guess, I mean, I think they probably would have beaten Boston College without Dracovic, right? Speaking of senior I, day, it could be Dracovic's senior day yeah. at Notre Dame, and it's going to be Derek Allen senior day at Notre Dame coming back for, for <laughs> Dracovic. I'm Jacoba looks good, good man. man. He looks good. He <laughs> looks really good. But Georgia Tech, like they're bet they, okay, they've they've defeated Duke, uh Kennesaw State. And uh and and they and they scored 45 against North Carolina and beat them. But we know that North Carolina's defense. You guys say it. I won't say it this week. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's as bad as Tim Priester wants to say this. I've noticed their safety play is subpar. But uh, they also gave up, they also had eight sacks against North Carolina. And Georgia Tech has, I think, 16 sacks this year. That yeah, tells you right. a little bit what Sam Howell's been up against this year as well. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get on the it, Sam Howell bandwagon again it, on the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So that's where we stand. And I, we don't have a bunch of questions on Georgia Tech. So we're not going to, to, uh, to, to pound the narrative here. It is what it is, but I do want to uh, talk about, Pete, you asked about, and we've been getting a lot of questions about, you know, you guys said that you didn't think that Jeff Quinn and, and Dell Alexander would be back next year. And um, so Pete, you asked today, you know, to get to, to elicit some response from Brian Kelly about what Jeff Quinn has done, done well. And, you know, I'm a big believer that when things go wrong and you point the finger and things go right, you better, 
you better compliment a guy. And, and the offensive line has played better. I do kind of object to, I mean, I think there's a narrative out there that, oh, the offensive line isn't doing very well. It's all Kyron Williams and Logan Diggs. Well, yeah, those are two great running backs. But early in the season, they did not have the time to stand and pick and choose as to where they wanted to go. And that offensive line is definitely getting a push now. So I think it's a combination. Certainly Kyron Williams is great. Logan Diggs is trending in that direction. But the offensive line has played better uh, under under Jeff Quinn. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's like I wanted to phrase the question. It's like because every time the every every positive offensive story that we've written or talk about is usually phrased in like, well, Reese is calling a really good game or Jack Cohen's not holding on to the ball or the coaching staff figured out what their strengths are or they got these young receivers who are coming along. It's it's never it's never the offensive line coach is well, doing a good job. That's why I brought never. up Crystal. That's why I brought up Chris O'Leary on Monday. I mean, look what the look what the young safeties has done. And Chris O'Leary's name has not been mentioned at any point during this season. So we yeah. kind of pick and choose when we want to mention, you know, uh, uh, an assistant coach both positively and negatively. I mean, it's like the first five games of the year, Notre Dame allowed forty six tackles for loss and twenty two sacks. In the last five games, they've allowed 18 tackles for loss and six sacks. So that's there's no way that improvement is just down to one player or one position or one coach. Um, you know, so Jeff Quinn has to get some credit for that. Um, you know, do I like do I think he's the next Harry Heastan? No, but like he's doing a good job in the second half of the season and has helped sort of get Notre Dame's offense on a good track. So it um, I mean to me it's if you combine the way the season is ending with Quinn and the offensive line, the future that's in front of them with a lot of young players, you know, returning, um, you know, some have played, some have not. And combined with the recruiting, if, you know, with Emil Wagner committed recently and Billy Shrouth still feels good about Notre Dame moving forward. I don't, there's just I, there's just not an argument to me that you would make a change in that position. So I and I don't think Brian Kelly will, nor do I think Brian Kelly would want to, even if things were kind of a, a little bit scattershot. Yeah, I, you know, the I, the, there were some tough questions being asked early in the season within the organization regarding the offensive line. Um, that can yeah. Be, so it's like when Brian Kelly says like there was no criticism of the line internally or no like that. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, there was a, yeah, we're not buying that. Yeah, but. there was a, a lot of responsibility to to, to bear uh, across the board. But as it appears now, um, you know, and I, I really think a lot of the people that want the coaching change along the offensive line are the ones that say, well, the O-line's not doing very well. It's all, uh, you know, it's all the Kyron Williams. And, I, and I, I understand that. But as it appears now, with the way the offensive line is playing, with the youth of the offensive line in a couple spots, and with the recruiting that's going on there, it does not look like a change is going to be made along the offensive line. No, and I'm, I'm glad Pete mentioned there's multiple factors because I think it's, and not just one one lineman, like we like to talk about the future pro Joe Alt, who is awesome, but it's five linemen uh, because even Jared Patterson's gotten better because he doesn't have to do someone <laughs> else's job. Kane Madden and Josh Lug have gotten much better. Kane Madden has gotten way, a way huge better. improvement and people don't want to look at it. They still want to start a freshman. Uh, Christophic has been the most pleasant of all surprises because I think he's the one guy even maybe over Joe Alt, if you had this conversation where you said, who's going to be the solidifying force in this Notre Dame line and Christophic would be the last, one of the last guys you'd pick, right? I mean, we did yeah. not have him as our, in our radars coming No, up. I didn't. Whereas I didn't. at least people, very told, people told Pete and you, Tim, that Joe Alt was a great prospect. At least we had that to go on, not, not for yeah. this year. But and if you, there's, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Well, I mean, I was just going to say, if you, if, you, if you read the story that we had on Irish Illustrated earlier this week and, and the relationship with the dad and, you know, the background of the dad, when you get done, when you get done reading that or, or, you know, interviewing two people for that, it's like, okay, well, that explains a lot as to why this guy is so um, ahead of the game at left tackle. We do have to say one thing, though, and this has nothing to do with Jeff Quinn, but it's another reason to go with the push of the offensive line. Jeff Quinn doing a good job. Kyron Williams, Pete, you mentioned tackles for loss and how they're not getting many tackles for loss. 92, 115, 116, 124, and 125. That's what the last five opponents rank in tackles for loss. Yeah. So they don't tackle anybody for loss. I mean, Wisconsin and Cincinnati have <clears throat> really good defenses, and Purdue's is fine. And Florida State was the first game, and they had a good defensive line that day. Yeah, it, it's just here's I, I think I I hear what you're saying, and I, I it's totally valid. I would also look at the Toledo game and say like that's not that wasn't a great defense, and they made Notre Dame's offensive line look completely ridiculous. Oh I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's eleven should... tackles for loss and six sacks. It's still a Toledo. highly ranked. It's still is uh, they're they're a 500 team, but it's still a highly ranked In the defense. Yeah, no, but it's in, still a. I, I, it, I'm just saying, it's still a highly, highly ranked defense in the MAC. And it was I, the I second game of the year. Is, it was the second game of the year, and the Notre Dame's offensive line wasn't even. They weren't even close to where they are now. Yeah, I guess my point is here: like, if you can't improve over what you just said, Pete, about Toledo, then what's the point? Like right. that well, is, then you is that is as low as it could possibly be that you could play that poorly on your offensive line. And so if that's your, I know, but if that's your barometer saying, well, look how much have they improved? Yes, they have. But how was it ever there? How was it oh, ever yeah. there that they could not possibly move the ball against Toledo? Notre Dame never should have an game. offensive line. Notre Dame should never have a month of offensive line play like it had in September. Right. right. So never. Now, now I think they're pretty good. It's just we're going to find out in the bowl game what kind of push they can get because yeah. they, they won't have seen anything. For sure. In a long and, then, and then just to put a ball on this as it relates to, to Dell Alexander and the future wide receiver, what we'll see there's a, that's a completely different situation because Brian Kelly doesn't have the allegiance to him that he has, you know, with, with Jeff Quinn. Um, so now the freshman receivers, yeah, they're stepping forward. There's no doubt about that. Um, out of, out of necessity a little bit, obviously with the injuries that have occurred there, but, uh, we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Looking for a gift for the Notre Dame fan on your holiday shopping list? Help them commemorate their first Notre Dame game or loyalty to the Fighting Irish with a Notre Dame Football Heritage Project certificate. Your donation, $5 minimum, will help the Araparsegian Medical Research Fund and the Notre Dame Galavan Journalism Program. Visit ndcertificate.com to learn more. Segment two, burning up the boards. Question from Wreckers 33 Hot. How many seniors do you see playing their final game in Notre Dame Stadium this weekend? In particular, your thoughts on, and we have a long list of guys as to whether they'll be back or not. We're each going to say yes, no, or maybe, starting with Jarrett Patterson. I guess yes. Uh, no, no means he's returning. Uh, oh, no, yes means he's returning. No yes, means he's not. Sorry. Maybe. I, okay. guess, I guess he's returning. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm pretty confident that it's a yes at, at this yeah. stage. Something could happen, but I'm pretty confident that ultimately he's going to choose to stay at Notre Dame. I said more than yes. Kevin Austin Jr. Yeah, I think he, this will be his last game at Notre Dame. I think he will be talked into coming back. 
I would figure that he would be coming back. Why do you think it's his last? Is he what is he grad transferring? I think he's going to take a shot going pro. He's an idiot if he does that. That's a ridiculous decision. That is a ridiculous decision. Uh, what really quick interjection? Uh, foot injury history. He might not want another broken foot in college. I would okay. go. There's, All a, right. there's a logical. There's one part. There's one. I mean, that's an argument to be made. Like Josh Adams couldn't come back. Remember. There was no way he could come back with a knee, so that was my guess. That's the let only me, reason I would decide. Let me, let me correct by saying I think that's an idiotic decision. I'm not saying Kevin Austin is an idiot. I just don't understand. I I, I mean, the foot injury, okay, certainly that's valid, but he is not ready to play in the NFL. That's that's a that's a silly decision. Braden Lindsay? I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say maybe. I'm going to get, oh yeah, I'm going to say maybe if I have to lean one way, I'll say, yeah, because there's nowhere else to go other than grad transfer. I They're don't, not I, like I, fully stocked at wide receiver next year. No, I mean, they can promise but, a lot but to him. It, I mean, it depends where his head is on all of this, I, it, yeah. you know, because originally his idea was not coming back next year. So I would say right. maybe Joe Wilkins Jr., I I'm not sure because, I mean, they're going to be tight on scholarships. I'm not sure that Notre Dame can, necessarily allow him to come back i mean it's, yeah it's probably a numbers game right and I, I i would stick with i don't know but i think i don't know might have more to do with like notre dame's roster than it does wilkins what he wants to do i'm gonna learn from past thoughts and say notre dame will have absolutely plenty of room by the time we hit august and so that makes yeah. wilkins back that that could be and it, it's not a it's not a full full house in that wide receiver room um avery davis hope he's back I'm not sure where he would go just because he's, you know, injured. Um, and definitely, as Brian Kelly said, like, we want him back quite clearly. Yeah. Brian Kelly doesn't sort of say that just yeah. off the cuff. I'm with Pete. Once Brian Kelly said it, we have another one of those coming up, too. Yeah, he I said it, so there's no – it's tough with the injury. Yeah, I would say that's a maybe to yes. Yeah. George Takis, that isn't somebody that we've considered much. I, I asked George Takis this uh, when he came in for media, and he's like, honestly, I don't know, um, but he wants to play football somewhere next year. That's it might be at Notre Dame, might not. Um, but that's I, I'm not, I don't think he knows where, he, where he's yeah. going to be. Yeah. The Adam Alola twins? Jason, not back. Justin, back. I would agree. I would agree with that as well. Isaiah Foskey. Positive Don't vibes know. only. Positive vibes only. Okay. I'll say, I'll say yes to offset Pete. Positive vibes only. I would I, say maybe to yes. I think it's fair. Bo Bauer. I talked to Bo Bauer about this in, he did not seem like he was coming back in September. That was a September interview. He started a game and played awfully well. He talked about his last year at Notre Dame talked about passing up doing a master's of science degree so he could concentrate on football for his last year at Notre Dame. He was focused on this being a football year. Then he went out and had a great game. Maybe he likes to see if he can start at middle linebacker. And the people that will say, why wouldn't he come back and start a middle linebacker? Because he's also going to find out he will not be a high draft pick next year, no matter what. So this year you can go pro and be a special teams guy right away. Yeah. I would say maybe on that Tariq Bracey. Yes. Back. Right. Yes, I would think so. I mean, Kelly that's in, that's in, every, well, in everybody's best interest. Houston Griffith? Not back. I'd say not back. I would say no. And that's the end of our list. And I want to apologize. I should never say that about a player with Kevin Austin. I think that's a poor decision on his part. Uh, moving on to Statman 72. Would it be premature for Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams to treat Saturday as their senior day? 
would Notre Dame slash Brian Kelly allow it if the players wanted to do that? I asked this question. Pete, you were going to ask the question. You guys go ahead and uh, let everybody know what Brian Kelly's response to that was. I mean, he said that Brian Kelly said that the senior day honoring goes to people who are graduating um, or on track to graduate. That's, you know, not Kyle Hamilton or Kyron Williams right now. So that they would be eliminated from that. And I am totally cool with that. Usually I'm sort of like, hey, get with the time, Notre Dame. But I like this one not getting, I like this one just sort of as is. Senior day is, if you're going to be the graduating champions school, you graduating is the first part of that. Um, so that's that you got to start with that. Yeah. And it's worth noting that uh, Jack Lamb and Micah Jones were honored last year because they had graduated as early enrollees that took accelerated programs and graduated and they deserve to be honored as well. So, yeah, that be, I, and they were, you know, weren't coming back. And I asked Brian Kelly, if that would be, you know, if you can't celebrate them because it wouldn't be the spirit, you know, within the spirit of senior day. And he, he, he agreed with that. And graduate, as you said, Pete, I mean, graduating champions that that's uh, it's more than just a phrase. It, it should be. And it is more than just a phrase. Next question. I don't understand. Ever to excel. Explain to me why Jeff Collins is, was a national media darling, despite mediocre results through his career. I had no idea he was a media darling. I had no idea he was a media darling. Did you? What media? Yeah, I don't. I, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that the, uh, that him being named the Georgia tech uh, head coach was met with a lot of fanfare. He had some success. He won 15 games at in two years at temple, but that was less than his predecessor. Um, you right. know, I, I don't think that I don't think he's done an awful job because they still have they've got 96 guys on their roster that are eligibility wise that are freshmen and sophomores. And I and I don't they're not going to they're not going to fire him no. because they are trending up. It, the, the losses haven't changed, but they are trending up in terms of competitiveness and they do have athletes. I think he's done a pretty good, pretty good job of recruiting. And you got Jameer Gibbs. Right? Did yep. or did yeah. uh, maybe maybe that process was started prior? No, he would have he would have recruited. No, he him. wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah that would have been him. So, um, I don't remember him being a media darling. He's not doing a great job, but I don't think he's doing an awful job. We I think on Monday we had talked about Georgia Tech like they <clears throat> they were just god awful. We were basing it upon record. You watch them on film; they've got players. They're just again the sum of the parts isn't as great as some of the individual talent that you see flashed uh, on a, on a, on a weekly basis, really. Also, he's never won two in a row at Georgia tech. So that yeah. will, uh, that'll hurt you as time goes on. Yeah. He's not going to win two in a row at Georgia tech this year, either. I have decided by looking at their schedule, <laughs> not certainly not their last two. He's coming <laughs> off. He's coming off back to back losses, which I think is that the first time they lost back to that no, they've like, lost well they've lost four in a row before. yeah they've lost four in a row so they're uh <laughs> they haven't they, they definitely have not learned how to win but they're they're gonna they're, they will be patient with jeff collins bwac 29 the coaching carousel is in full spin who from notre dame's coaching staff if anyone should we be most concerned about leaving for greener pastures I mean, Notre Dame's defense coordinator is going to be a pretty hot commodity, um, as he was last year when Notre Dame hired him. So I I sort of look at what happens next with Marcus Freeman as being less about the jobs that are open now and more about the jobs that become open when the jobs that are open now are filled. So, you know, it's is Marcus Freeman going to get, like, the Washington job or the Miami job when if 
when, with and when that opens? Probably not. Would he get those jobs if Jeff Brom left Purdue for an, a new job? Would he get those jobs if Luke Fickle left, left Cincinnati for a new job? Yeah. Yeah, pretty well, sure that, that that would be a good match for him. Or could he get and that's a good point because it's going to have a, it's going to be a domino effect certainly. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at a list here. TC, could he get Virginia Tech? Could he get TCU? Could he get Washington State? And then you have that the Akron, UMass, Florida International that I don't think that he would go for. He wouldn't uh, go for those. those. That's not yeah. Virginia, no, Virginia Tech, TCU, Washington State. Would he go for those? I mean, that's that's Power Five, man. And it's not awful. Virginia Tech, maybe um, Washington State. I would, I would say no. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe so. Yeah. Now the question is, uh, you know, not just Freeman. Does does Elston get an offer at this stage of his career? We know that Brian Polian wants to be a head coach again. Yeah. Uh, the his would probably have to be the Akron's, the UMass's, and the Florida Internationals. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and those are, that's kind of more of a personal choice, right? Like if you, if you really, really want to be a head coach, you want to be one so badly that you're going to potentially take a pay cut and go to a place that's really, really difficult to win. But I mean, Akron, Akron is one to keep an eye on. And if Bowling Green opens up again, they both Elston and Pullian were candidates there last time. Yeah. That would be also another one to keep an eye on. Wash ND, are any of you concerned that Notre Dame could come out flat against three and seven Georgia Tech on senior day and be in a much closer game than expected, especially let's say if Sims is back from injury? I, I, I certainly Notre Dame can come out flat. I, as a former coach, I'm, I think that can happen anytime. Um, and, you know, they're coming off the flu. Senior, again, senior day, there's still emotion. Just because Notre Dame has played well on senior day doesn't mean that there aren't emotions involved and that they could, you know, come out a little bit flat, but I don't know to the point where they don't win the football game. I'm not seeing that right now. You know, they come out flat no for concern. on senior day. Yeah. They, they came out flat for senior day, right. Against Syracuse and Boston college. And they beat Boston college by 50 or by 40, but yeah, um, that's true. they had a field goal against Boston college. I think only <laughs> in the first quarter and then they, then they couldn't stop scoring. So yeah, I, I the first quarter, I don't know if you want to take a shot, bet Georgia Tech plus seven in the first quarter. But uh, I mean, Notre Dame, Notre Dame was there. losing at the end of the first quarter to Navy. Yeah, it's you could, the first quarter yeah. is they do they have if you don't score on your first drive, you come out kind of flat, right? It's just the way the world yeah. goes. But they, I do not believe it can last a game against Georgia Tech. No. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see that. You know, and a lot of it has to do with. Well, we saw last week that, you know, here in Notre Dame, they have injuries, they have a flu, and you have these young guys stepping up. And a lot of the, a lot of the young guys that have stepped up now are ready to, you know, Deion Colsey. Deion Colsey's going to get that touchdown before Logan Diggs gets 100 yards. Was that Monday's question? Or that was. He only needed one more carry in that game, Logan Diggs. One more around the end. That's true. Right there. That's Come. true. And considering the, the last two opponents, I'm still holding out for Deion Colsey. Look for look for me to get, be gazing in your direction if that yes. that happens, and vice and vice versa. I'm sure. As soon as Diggs rips off a 64 yarder, I'm standing up at that point. So, <laughs> Nick 2014, are there more future pros on Notre Dame's second and third string defensive line than its current starting back seven? That's a fun question. <laughs> uh, yes, wouldn't bode well if they're in the playoffs. probably. Yeah. 
Current starting. Wait a minute. Yeah, current. You got to get rid of. Starting you got to get rid seven. of some future pros here, though. Like, there's no MTA, no Foskey, no Jason A, and no Heinish. So Riley Mills, Mills will be a future pro. Yeah, yeah he, Justin Emiola can play in the pros. I'm not going to say Riley Mills will be a future pro. I think he has the ability to be a future pro. I think Justin Amilola has the ability to be on an NFL okay. roster after playing full-time next year. Me too. But we just knocked out four future pros in the starting line, so it does make it tougher. All right, back seven. Uh, Cam Hart could be a future pro. Could be. You know, measurables. and Look how much he's, look, look how much he's progressed since, since shifting over, right? If you want to look at it that way. Uh, Bracey and Lewis would have challenged to be future pros. All the linebackers would be challenged to be future pros. Yeah, point taken. Though I mean, yeah. you know, they're 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 they are more than likely about to finish eleven and one and go to a major bowl with not a lot of professional talent on the back end, especially without you know Kyle Hamilton for half a season. Uh, Murphy 324, where will the balance? I thought this was an interesting question. Where will the balance be struck between recruiting high school talent and marketing Nordic football to the experienced contributors in the portal? Do you see any prospect of a Notre Dame mini combine where as many as a dozen portal players are interviewed and worked out over a long weekend prior to spring practice? I'm not sure what the, I mean, is there any, any legality, uh, that would prevent something like that from happening? I'm, Graduate transfers can be different than portal yeah. than regular portal. Brian Kelly yeah. was asked about this this week or last, and it's like, look, the portal doesn't really change a whole lot for us. We're looking at grad transfers because right. you graduated. That means you can get into school. The regular transfers, as has always been the case, is incredibly complicated for Notre Dame, and that's why they're not going to go down that path. But grad transfers, I think that's always going to be available. But I, like the mini combine, like how about – three or four years of game tape like that's that should be enough so i, I don't think that you're yeah, gonna evaluate them quite so thoroughly yeah i don't think that they would do anything like that would might they bring in a couple players at the same time i i, I mean i'm not even sure whether or not they've they've done that they may have already done that in the past an actual combine again i don't know the legality of that and i the, the just the logistics of that i don't think it would it would come to that but yeah I mean, the point being that don't expect Notre Dame to be go, reaching out and grabbing a lot of freshmen and sophomores in the portal. It is still going to nope. be uh, – it's going to be yep. almost exclusively grad transfer situations. Be, just, I mean, starting with, you know, the academics of it. That brings us to a writing question that's a tangent here, guys, uh, from Tim O'Malley. Let's name the uh, portal positions needed uh, by position. I'll start. Quarterback, do you think they'll bring in a portal player? No. I don't think so, no. I don't either. I'm obviously not running back. Uh, wide receiver? No. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, clearly not tight end. Offensive line? No, nope. not now. Yeah, not now either. Uh, defensive line in any way? No. Agreed. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe they could – they could use an Interior, end. They could use an end, couldn't they? Yeah, no, they definitely could. I mean, if, especially well, if Foskey the, leaves, then right, it opens right, the right. door to needing an end. Right. Yeah, linebacker definitely. So yeah, maybe not. an end. Linebacker now. There's a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
<laughs> Holy smokes, that freshman class. Too. Can you <laughs> imagine? Can you yeah. imagine the the reaction of the freshman, the incoming freshman <laughs> linebackers, if Nordin brought in a a transfer, Grand transfer from Northwestern to play some, make a couple tackles. Yeah. Uh, so corner. Y- yes, if you could yeah. swing it. Yeah, yeah, I would say yes and safety. If Even with the numbers, you still have to because the numbers aren't proven below the three guys yeah. moving back. And then safety, absolutely, everybody answers yes here, right? Yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. Safety one, corner two, everything else, I think I would probably pass on if I was number him. Yeah, good. good so uh, wide receiver, you just, you're just saying the skill level of the receiver will not outweigh the fact that you could have well, Lindsey Wilkins, Wil- up-and-coming Wilkins, players. Davis, yeah, I mean, among Lindsay, the four yeah. seniors – the two of them are back. Okay. Then, then fine. You can roll with that. I, and it's like, what I've always felt like, you know, a portal is a real indication that a portal takes like something went wrong in your recruiting in the past. And I know they, I know the staff really likes Jaden Thomas a lot. Um, combined with obviously they're like Colsey and stop Colsey and styles. I think CJ Williams is somebody who can be like a sixth, seventh receiver as a freshman. Um, I think Tobias Merriweather, Amara, and Walker are much farther away, but I think that they'll be if they have if they have two seniors back next year at receiver, they'll be fine. I could see CJ Williams making an early impact. I, I think he's that. I do well, think I he's too. that kind of player. Mm-hmm. I just think uh, the floor the floor for him is he's strong enough to be on the field right away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Jaden Thomas, did you see when he first got on the field Saturday? In the first play. quarter, yeah, the last drive of the second quarter, which uh, oh, I feel like well, he was out there before then. Okay, maybe he. Okay, I yeah. maybe he was. Maybe he was. But like uh, you know, the the controversy over them not trying to be more aggressive with him with uh, a minute sixteen at the end of the second half. They had they had Salerno out there, they had Colsey out there, and they had Jaden Thomas out there. So that that was the tip off that they probably weren't. <laughs> going to push the ball down the field 85 yards with with that inexperienced group out there a question from mj spanky can the program appeal the dope walker nominations kyron williams not being one of the top 10 is a crime against college football it's it's ridiculous of course it's complete it is completely ridiculous it's people looking at stats that vote and not watching kyron williams run the football and catch the football and block for people that have footballs and well, probably tackle football players if he had to. Well, where do you draw the line? I mean, where, where after you, Kyron, where, Kyron Williams no, is a no, top I'm ten Dope Campbell running back right now. I, I mean, insanity. I would I would agree that he is that kind of talent. But when he when he's not in the top one hundred in yards per carry, and when every other guy ahead of him is is among the top ten in the nation in rushing, I mean, I, I think it's. But compiling I, I, rushing I, look, yards is one of the worst ways I, to evaluate I, a player and receiving I, yards and stuff like that. So who do you exclude? Not Robinson. Not Walker, he gets to stay. I realize my opinion is not going to be received well. I'm just saying, man, I mean, the numbers are so overwhelmingly better than his. that. I'm, so my question is, who do you take out of that group? Now, I guess you can take out – you should take out the guy from uh, Texas San Antonio. I'm, just, I'm just, look, it's easy for us to just say it's a crime against college football. And I agree. He is definitely one of the 10 best running backs in the country, but we well, have he's definitely one of the 10 best. Take somebody out. Yeah. <laughs> we got okay. it. That's, this <laughs> this is an award for the 10 best running backs. 
Okay. Yeah, he's the most right. valuable player right. of the fifth best right. team in the, it, of the sixth best team in the it, country. Right. And if Alabama loses uh, to Georgia with two losses, they should be in the playoffs because they're one of the best four teams in the country. Right. But Kyron so Williams is the MVP of one of the six best teams in the country. I don't disagree, Tim. Look, I, I'm just I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying I don't disagree. Of course, he's amazing, and we all know that, and the country knows that. Who may I, I you know? There is a committee that picks this, and I, you know, I'm sure they don't watch as much film as the college football playoff committee in, in making this decision. But I mean, there, I'm just saying there are some guys that you're not taking uh, Travion Henderson out of off the list. Nope, nope, he's on the list. Bijan yeah, Rob- yeah, I mean, Rob- you're not, you're not taking Robinson off the list. You're he's not taking tremendous. Walker off the list. He's tremendous. And I look, I you, you know that I know that Kyron Williams is one of the ten best in the country. I'm just saying. When we when we when we express opinions like this, we really aren't looking at the competition to be included among the top ten. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Maybe it's certainly not as bad as 2014 when the Blitnikoff Award came out midseason, the watch list, and Will Fuller, who led the nation in touchdowns, was not one of the <laughs> 70 players on it. Yeah, that was much worse. I mean, see, they were pick- looking at stats then. They didn't see his eight touchdowns at that point. No, I, I hear you. I, I'm going to I'm going to get hammered on a couple different fronts here after this podcast. Uh. Well, I mean, we. I, I feel like it, Kyron Williams is in a different category than like Michael Mayer. When you say who do you vote, who is your vote for first team All-American? I mean, what about Bowers? What about Mayer? What about I'm not a Charlie Kohler guy, but, you know, like Kyron Williams is clearly the reason Notre Dame is involved in anything this year. Is kind of how I look at that from covering Kyron Williams too, and I know these all these people don't cover Kyron Williams. Like right. Kenneth Walker right. is why Michigan State is in position to upset Ohio State to try to make the playoffs. Yeah, look, Kenneth Walker is winning the Doak Walker Award, yeah. which is right great. Like if Kyron Williams won the Doak Walker Award, I would be like, that's ridiculous. Kenneth yeah. Walker, because yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. Walker should win it, right? Because he had twelve. But he should like be one of the top. Win. He should really be one of the yeah. ten semifinals for it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree, but he, I mean, okay, so he's on the list and then there's no way he can win. So what, what do we. True. He would not win. I mean, he would not, he absolutely would not win it. I mean, I I have an all American vote and I would definitely vote Kenneth. If I could only pick one running back, Kenneth Walker. Okay. All right. I have a question for you. That's, that's kind of, I have a question for, for both you guys. Is Jameer Gibbs one of the 10 best running backs in the country? I bet he is. Could be. He could be. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great receiver too, like Kyron Williams out of the back. I mean, he's their best. He's their best receiver, Jameer Gibbs. He is, yeah. And Kyron's, you know, look, I don't, I'm not. I'm going to move on to the next question before it's too late. This one's even. It's this too, one's even harder. It's too this late coming up. <laughs> it's too late for me. I'm already going to get torched for this podcast. All right, last question before we go to predictions, uh, and it's from Subfan, and it's your guess on who the final four teams are in the playoffs. We all have one, Georgia. Yes, I think it will be. In no, I'm not. I'm not ordering them. I'm just Georgia. telling you the four that I think will make it: Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati. That's where it gets tough now, because if you're because if it's Ohio State, then I, Michigan, I yeah, Michigan I, State have lost. I think Cincinnati, I, I know, I, I think Cincinnati is going to, going to go undefeated. I don't think they are. Okay. 
SMU, yeah. you think SMU is going to beat them? Yeah, I mean, I mean, or Houston? I, okay, Houston. I think, Houston's a tough. I'll, one I'll stand by Cincinnati going undefeated. I, I think those okay. three; those are definitely my three. The fourth one, I would. It's difficult. Oklahoma State is not. Yeah, unreasonable. I I would I They're would playing really that would be one well. of my first. They're choices good on defense. To, yeah. So let's look at this. Yeah. I took too much time. I, I was sitting around my breakfast table this morning looking at some stats, and I took way too much time to do this. So Ohio State is one of my four, remarkably, because Ohio State has to beat contender Michigan State, contender Michigan, and the hottest team in America that has a couple losses, Wisconsin. That is a hard road to the playoffs, while someone like Notre Dame has Georgia Tech, Stanford, in a bye week. Right? I hear you. I hear you. Georgia's in, because even if they lose to Alabama, they're in. I feel like Cincinnati has a game they probably shouldn't lose, a game they should not lose on the road, and a game that I don't know that point spread is going to be very high, the Houston matchup. I feel like Cincinnati is going to lose one of those three games. We all think Oregon's going to lose. Is that? I I think Oregon's going to lose one of the two games with Utah. Um, Michigan, of course, has to beat Ohio State and Wisconsin again. Michigan State is a pick versus Penn State next week, by the way. So Michigan State has to beat Ohio State as a 19-point underdog, a pick and Wisconsin. That's a hard road. I think it's – I think the final four is going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and either Notre Dame or Oklahoma State. No consideration for Michigan while well, they have to win at Ohio Michigan's State. Michigan's got to beat, and they got to rematch yeah. and beat Wisconsin again. It's just a hard, Notre Dame has nothing to do. <clears throat> what, do what do you mean? Notre Dame has nothing to do but just move, but let teams lose around them. And right. I just think well, teams yeah. are gonna lose they just have them. to. They just need help only. They cannot help themselves. Yeah, that was the, that was the point of my. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame po- has to win two games, but these guys game. have to beat good teams, right? They, yeah. Notre Dame's the only yeah. one that doesn't have to beat a single good team the rest of the way. Because uh, Houston's tougher to beat than than uh, in a championship setting than Stanford and Georgia Tech or uh, Cincinnati. Yes, that is definitely. a hard. That's a hard game for them to go win. Cincinnati. I think everything. I, I, if if uh, if Notre Dame had three regular season games remaining against Georgia Tech, Stanford, and Houston, Houston would be the t- would be the toughest. SMU sure. would be the toughest game to win. All right, uh, yeah. that's where we are. I I I don't think Michigan can win at Ohio State. But I think this the is game is best. at Michigan. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Michigan. It's I, I six think... and a half, by the way, only six and a half. Six and a half. Well, <laughs> I think Hold they on. have I, a shot. I need, to, I need to log on to another site right now. Yeah, I think they yes, exactly. I think they have. I think they have a shot. I don't think they'll win, but I think they have a shot. I don't know who the the fourth team will be because so no, my, no. I'm down to like Cincinnati, Notre Dame. I, I don't think actually I take back Oklahoma State. They could lose to Texas Tech on the road right now, and they no, have Oklahoma, so. and no, they have a rematch. No, no. Okay, I take Oklahoma State out. Uh, Notre Dame is the fourth team. Everybody has a million possible losses except for Notre Dame. Cincinnati, I guess, only has That's one. A good point. Half. No, it's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So now that I said Michigan has a chance against Ohio State, I have three reasons to be despised after this podcast. So let's move on to predictions, you guys. You guys go ahead and uh, uh, I'll shut up. Now. I like Notre Dame. Notre Dame by a lot. Um, you know, something in the the thirty eight seventeen range. So a cover twenty one point win. 
a game that we will spend very little time talking about after the fact and probably a year from now forget even happened. So Notre Dame 38, Georgia Tech 17. I'm the exact, exact same score. 38, yes, I beat you to it. Jameer Gibbs, touchdown, rushing, and receiving. Uh, over under O'Malley is 64. under. I'm going under, yeah. Is it 64? I think it's 60, 59 and a half, 60. Okay. Uh, um, I'm going to be in that ballpark again with you guys here when, when we come out on Friday with it. But, you know, I just I don't think they'll be threatened to lose. But I can see some bumps along the, the way. And I think Jameer Gibbs will provide a couple of those bumps. Since we didn't talk much about tech, why don't we all answer this one? So do you think the bumps along the way will be because Notre Dame doesn't get to that past 31 range? Or because Georgia Tech scores more points than we're giving them credit for? I, 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 I think, think it's the G- offense, right? Georgia Tech's offense, yeah, I, I think Notre that, Dame's offense not getting there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't can see inefficiencies still happening. That's basically it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, miss, sure. I don't see. Could Notre Dame score in the forties this game? Of course, but I don't necessarily see that. And thus, yeah, I'm in, I'm in that ballpark. I'm in that ballpark uh, with you guys as well. Hey, we appreciate everybody joining us here for Irish Illustrated Insider. Pre-game from Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday, Priester O'Malley did an instant analysis. Until then, thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.